This is Metal Recall, episode 19. My name is Niall Hope, and as always, I'm joined by Aaron Cascala. How's it going, mate? It's going good. 19, let's dive in. Yeah, indeed. Um, so for this one, uh, I've, I'm in the driving seat, and I've chosen uh, the Fourth Crusade, the 1992 release by the English death metal, now defunct band, Bolt Thrower. And uh, before I get a bit of um, your your take on the band and, and what your um, relationship is with them, this is a bit of a, a different one for me because it's actually the first album that I've chosen to do for the podcast that has come to me fairly recently. So I actually came across Bolt Thrower randomly by... I was watching a YouTube video, which was this guy playing riffs. He was just playing the riffs on his guitar, and he was um, contrasting riffs by the guitarist from Morbid Angel with a bunch of other death metal bands. So he'd play a, a Morbid Angel riff, then he'd play, you know, a Celtic Frost riff and, and, and another a number of other bands. And then he actually played this riff by Bolt Thrower, which mm-hmm. is actually the riff from the song The Fourth Crusade. And I was like, what the fuck is that? That is so catchy. <laughs> So then, on the back of that, I was like, I need to go and check these guys out, and that's actually how I found the band. Um, so it's a bit of a weird, bit of a weird way to to find it, but um, it ended up having a bit of a uh, profound effect on me, and I just went down the rabbit hole from there and just went and and, and discovered their whole discography. But that's how I found out about them. But uh, you probably know more about them than I do. No, on the contrary. Well, my my exposure to this band. It's similar in the sense that, like a lot of, like a lot of bands out there, uh, they're always I've always known about them being out in the ether. Uh, you know, they've been around a long time, but again, they're just never a band that I went down the rabbit hole. And then I think it was through Spotify, maybe, like he, it was recent, maybe within the last year or two maybe four years ago, uh, a particular track came on off of one of their later albums that just was catchy, hooky, and it just it just pulled me in, and I, and I went down the rabbit hole. But I was more, I leaned more towards, I think, their, their last album mm-hmm. um, versus, versus this album, but it's all good stuff. But I, I definitely, uh, I could pick up on their style, their theme. There's a connection to war, gaming... Yep. And there's just they have their thing, they have their shtick, and they get props for their their staying power. I mean, how how many albums? Well, I mean, we'll get into it, but eight eight yeah. studio albums, three yeah. EPs, one live album, and a bunch of compilation albums. But unfortunately, they're no longer going, which is uh, always a shame when you discover a band and you get into them, and then you find out, oh wait, they're not going anymore. Um, but um, they popped up. To be honest, they popped up on my radar years ago when I was in high school, and the the, the flood of artists on Earache Records, yeah. obviously Carcass, and this is you know pre-internet, so you'd get like magazines or albums or flyers, and something on the back would have uh, Earache Records, and they, you know, they'd have images of all the different albums and artists signed to Earache, and their their artwork always stood out. It was always really dramatic, warlike album yeah. covers but I just part of me I wasn't scared I just 
part of me thought maybe it was a gimmick or it was cheesy because of that. Yeah. When in reality, I should, as a metalhead, I should have been like, "That's fucking cool. I should check it out." I just never did. But they're definitely, they're definitely like a metal, a metal band, right? You know, yeah. Like everything, everything they deal with from the, the sound of their, their. The name, what the logo looks like, all of the artwork, the themes that run throughout the, the the music, they're definitely what you would call a metal band. But, you know, like I said, I discovered this album just through that YouTube video and then I, and I listened to it and, um, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this if I didn't really like it. So, you know, that should come as no surprise, but I, I potentially like a few of the albums that came after this a little bit. A little bit more than this one, but just because of the significance of it being the first one that I heard. Okay, that was going to be it, my next question, because I'm aligned with you. It, I mean, it makes it makes sense for for what we do on the podcast yeah. to, to choose this to have that significance. But for anybody that's not particularly familiar, Bolt Thrower, they were a, a death metal band from Coventry, England, not far from Birmingham, the home of uh, Godfathers of Metal, Black Sabbath, and they formed in 1986. Um, like we said, they had uh, eight studio albums, three EPs, one live album, a bunch of compilation albums. Um, members, they've had a, a bit of a sort of revolving door over the years with m- multiple of the members um, have kind of had multiple stints, including the, the lead singer who's, I think, done, done three, three, um, three stints with uh, the band. As they as they they finished, um, they were their final lineup were consisted of Barry Baz Thompson on guitars and Gavin Ward on guitars. Those were the two um, sort of mainstays in the band since their inception in 1986. They had Joe Bench on bass guitar, Carl Willits on vocals. Like I said, he did three stints, and Martin Kearns on drums, who unfortunately passed away in 2015. And um, from what I read. His death had quite a, an impact on the band, and it ultimately led to them feeling like they didn't want to go any longer. However, there have been... Um, I read also that the, there's been sort of rumours of reunions and uh, right. getting back together, but uh, none of that has come to fruition as of yet. <clears throat> Some interesting things that I read about the band throughout the, the, the course of their career. So in terms of styles, obviously you mentioned death metal is probably the the umbrella the the easiest one to associate with them they stand started off life a little bit more in a it sort of dabbled in a little bit of more grindcore elements and i think you know throughout their career they you know and what's what's really interesting about this album which makes it almost like a a metal recall staple is that it, it started to represent a bit of a shift in style they started to slow down a little bit more and certainly with some of the albums that follow this one start to deal with a little bit more sort of groove metal which yeah. in the early 90s pretty much every metal band was doing anyway um, but they were founded in a coventry pub toilet during a hardcore <laughs> punk gig by gavin ward and barry thompson so you kind of wonder what that conversation went like but you know it seems just two blokes at a urinal saying let's start a band yeah um and uh, you mentioned this as well but um you're yeah. the shit. I'm the shit. Let's let's do. Some, let's make some shit. <laughs> um, the the um, the themes, the uh, 
the the look of the band and their artwork is very much inspired by um well war in general but um they were in, inspired by a game called warhammer i don't know if you have it over here yeah i've heard of it it's absolutely it's very much in that kind of miniature armies dungeons yep. and dragons kind of kind of vibe put out by a company in the uk called games workshop and they actually had a bunch of i think their one of their earliest albums the artwork a couple of the artworks have been done by people that have produced uh, artwork for yeah. the games workshop and War- warhammer which um it kind of makes a lot of sense but i think it inspired quite a few of the the earlier earlier songs so if you're into that kind of stuff that's that's no one cool. else is, there's no one else that's fit their style that's for sure exactly and I think that's what what it, it it looks like metal for nerds. The album art is like gamer Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, hyper color. Like the the colors are. I think the colors are too almost too bright for a metal album. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. Um, I, I think one. I I mean I'd heard of of Bolt Thrower for like they're they're a name that I'd heard before. And I think probably similar to yourself, I was maybe a little bit put off by what I'd seen. I'd never actually heard, probably hadn't heard a track by them, but saw the the artwork, saw the the, the name, everything just kind of, I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I, I stayed clear of it until now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not a good thing because I definitely slept on this band. Yeah. So we're, we're here to discuss the Fourth Crusade which is their fourth album it was released in october of 1992 um like i mentioned it was a little bit of a shift in style for them they slowed down considerably compared to Warmaster, which was their, their prior album and um moving more into sort of doomier groove they had a little bit of groove sort of coming in and just this real thick wall of sound um sort of style the album itself um we had a brief chat about this before but um as a as as someone who's really interested in history you'll be um interested to know that the fourth crusade had a bit of duality in its uh in its naming so not only was it their fourth album but it's also um loosely based on um the actual fourth crusade um which was a religious war, part of the, the Great Crusades, um, with, uh, that ultimately led to the, the sacking of the uh, ancient town Const- uh, city Constantinople, which we now know as um, Istanbul. It was the capital city of the Roman Empire. Um, so quite interesting um, background to some of the conceptual uh, weight here. And it goes as far as the, the artwork for the album which is really interesting, is actually a painting uh, by an artist called Eugene Delacroix um, called The Entry of the Crusaders in Constantinople. So it definitely, it feels very appropriate to, um, to what, they've, what they've been known to do throughout their career, um, but it's certainly um, fitting of the concept. Um, in terms of... Uh, I won't go massively into into any reviews, but from what I can find online, what I what I uh, I looked at, it somebody mentioned this in a review, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because 
you know, I've mentioned on here before a number of times that I'm not hugely well versed in death metal. Mm-hmm. And actually, over the course of the last year or so, I've started to listen to more and more of it. But somebody called it almost gateway death metal. Um, I wanted to know yeah. your opinion on that, if that's uh, because there's, there's certain elements of this that really appeal to me that I didn't think death metal would have done. Some of the stuff's quite thrashy, it's quite groovy, and obviously this is a band that was kind of moving in a slightly different direction. But like what? What exactly is something is is that something that you wouldn't think you would normally be into? No, that that's exactly oh. what what I'm. What okay, I'm got into. it. Like, I, I would say we know you like thrash. Exactly, but <laughs> I would say this is a real guitar player's album. Like yes, it, there's there's uh, riffs riffs are plenty throughout the album. Riffs and but, melody and. But, but certainly yeah. the, the vocal style is something that I've never been hugely keen of until now. But um, I guess what the... Yes, the, I, I would say, I would, I, would, I would agree that mainly with the vocals, uh, it could lead you into some of the... I mean, we'll get into what was released that year. It could lead you into some of the other bands, especially like the first one off the top of my head is, is Deicide. Right. And Deicide comes with, 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 you know, the reputation precedes Deicide. The guy's got a inverted cross burnt into his forehead. And, you know, that term, uh, Cookie Monster Vocals, that is Deicide. But holy shit, if you, can, if, you can, if you can get into Bolt Thrower, you can and should embrace some old Deicide because it is fucking brutal. Yeah. I mean, I... Cannibal I just... Corpse... Yeah, I mean, these well, are I mean, all Florida classics. We'll see. We'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I assume that's what the reviewer was was getting at with that 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 sort of yeah statement. And it, there was even there's even some comments on this album that it was uh what's the word um almost kind of basic when mm-hmm. it comes to, to they called it uh, someone used the term de- sort of uh, rock and roll death and roll so it's like a gateway it's like it's it's slowed down and simplified and we'll get it again we'll get into it there's some there's some some same same z elements in the album for sure but um but if but yeah i could see how this could be a gateway into again into a band like cannibal corpse or deicide where they're without a doubt death metal but they've got a distinct once you submerge yourself into that genre you'll see why those bands are staples and yeah. legends yeah it's i mean it i i can i i see a lot of validity in that in that comment because you know to me somebody who's not a huge death metal guy i heard this and thought okay this is this is something i can really get on board with and i gateway almost, drugs <laughs> almost went kind of both ways like i uh-huh. went backwards in their catalog to yes. realm of chaos and Warmaster, which are there's a lot more grindcore elements. There's blast beats. It's it's more what I would have sort of typically thought of death metal. Then you go the other way and you start to get into a lot more sort of groove and mid tempo and slow down stuff. But you know, if you if you do any and, and as someone who's like discovering a bit more of this genre for the first time, if you look at um, any top 50 death metal albums of all time uh-huh. you know that kind of that kind of list you'll find at least a couple 
um, of this this band's uh, back catalogue in Realm of Chaos is held in quite high regard as is Warmaster um, so they're definitely they definitely have a lot of uh, legitimacy in this genre just on on top of that you know uh, just looking through a few reviews again, not going into any any great details, but I did find that this was generally from from what I saw, and maybe you saw some some other stuff, quite well received. Yeah. Um, Ninety plus um, percent. Um, I found on a few um, in the metalarchives.com. So a four out of five on Sputnik, um, a nine point three on Metalstorm, and um, but then if you go a little bit further. And you, you look at because I also found a Reddit thread where a bunch of war, uh, a bunch of Bolt Thrower fans were were ranking their favourite um, Bolt Thrower albums. It almost seems like this one people either they they like this direction of Bolt Thrower uh-huh. or they like the the prior stuff. So that's what makes it a bit of a a no brainer for us to discuss it. You know, you have people who are like. Realm of Chaos and Warmaster, that's Bolt Thrower to me. And then there's a <clears throat> a different side of the argument, which is Fourth Crusade and For Victory onwards. But For Victory was, was mine. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good album. I was kind of torn between the two, actually, for us to, to chat about. I'd probably lean towards enjoying For Victory more. Because mm-hmm. um, it maybe, you know, as this was a bit of a shift in direction for them, it maybe felt like they found where they wanted to go yeah. on for victory, but because of its kind of significance, this was definitely the choice, the one that we should chat about. Right, well, before we get into it, as I mentioned, this was released in 1992, um, and as we always do, I'm going to pass it over to you, mate, and you can take <laughs> us through what was... Is this One. the oldest album that you selected? Um, since it's been your t- since since all your turns, nineteen podcasts. I, I I can't think of anything that we've done that's been earlier than this. To be honest, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Not. Well, that's that's funny because you, you know you mentioned it before. <laughs> I, I love thrash metal. Like yeah, there's there's like loads of albums prior to this this time, but. Um, this this to me seems like I feel like we've gone back to like ninety one or some, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, and I think I think if you were gonna pick any old slash of uh, thrash albums, they would be they wouldn't be appropriate for the podcast because they were thrash albums that were laying stakes in the ground that were mainstream and had become popular and are classics. Yeah, I mean we we everybody knows and loves. So well, exactly, it, they'd all be tens out of ten. That- I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what we try and do, isn't it? We we don't like to pick the most obvious ones. Yeah. So that's why this one's quite interesting to me. But anyway, ninety two. Yeah. Uh, what an incredible! I, uh, it, not only was this, uh, are we going back in time uh, for this podcast? But this this has to be, in my opinion, the best year for metal of all the podcasts we've done because yep agree um there's just there's just too many it's just armed with classics uh that have gotten better over time despite how old you are but uh new newly formed bands 
I mean, a lot was happening in, in metal as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know where to begin. Newly formed bands, uh, Candaria, uh, the black metal scene was, was really starting to, speaking of putting their stakes in the ground or, or, or making an impact, black, the black metal scene in Scandinavia was out of control. Moonspell, Naglfar, Nasum, uh, P.O.D., uh, even Stone Sour. These were the newly formed bands in, mm-hmm. in that year. Um, as far as albums go, oh, Jesus Christ, Alice in Chains, Dirt. Um, so not only was black metal getting its start, but we had um, grunge, Yeah. which we've had many discussions about grunge being tinged with some metal, and there's no doubt in my mind that Alice in Chains... Uh, has some some metal uh, influence in their sound. So Alice in Chains, Dirt, absolute masterpiece of an album. Um, this one hit me like a tidal wave. It's 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 New York hardcore tough guy metal, but Biohazard's Urban Discipline was an absolute masterpiece. They they toured with Pantera on that album. Um, if you watch any of those uh, vulgar videos, yeah. Um, Ice T was. Uh, making his his name known in the metal community with body count uh highly controversial song called cop killer you know investigated by the fbi uh that was highly controversial mm-hmm. um cannibal corpse uh i think this was maybe their second album tomb of the mutilated yep um let's see here we've got uh celtic frost for those of you that are into them um What's the album? Parched with Thirst, Am, Am I, and Dying. Uh, more black metal, Dark Throne, put out A Blaze in the Northern Sky. Uh, Danzig put out Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill. Deicide put out Legion. Uh, another Florida band like Cannibal Corpse. Uh, Exodus, Force of Habit. Um... This little band called Faith No More put out Angel Dust. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, Fear Factory pushing the genre into, you know, some more technical uh, side of metal with Soul of a New Machine. That that one made ways. Um, I think that was probably their first album. Helmet. Uh, meantime, I saw them on tour with Henry Rollins, who also put an album out that year. Um, it just doesn't stop. Immortal, diabolical, full moon mysticism, more black metal, uh, German metal, uh, creator, uh, put out renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got another monster out of Florida, malevolent creation, uh, put out retribution, uh, with more great album art, a la, um, a la Sepultura album covers from those days. Um, let's see here. Marduk, um, Megadeth put out Countdown to Extinction. Yep, that's big. I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh, Ministry, another another metal band to push the genre with, you know, electronic drums. Ministry put out Psalm 69, another another classic album from, from my time in high school. Uh, Napalm Death, uh, Utopia Banished, uh, Neurosis, Souls at Zero, 
Nine Inch Nails released Broken. Um, the list goes on. Um, I'll save the best for last. Propane. <laughs> they keep <laughs> popping up. That's actually the album that, that, that hit me like a tidal wave. Propane's Foul Taste of Freedom. I yeah, got on board with them. That's good. Um, Rollins Band, The End of Silence. It's got his big sun tattoo on the album cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, grungy, but 10 for the metal. Stone Temple Pilots uh, debut album. Core. Core. Uh, Testament put out an album as well. Jesus Christ. Yeah, The Ritual. The Ritual. Uh, Unleashed. White Zombie released uh, La Sexorcisto, Devil Music, Volume 1. And then the two heaviest hitters for me are Pantera's Volga Display of Power and Rage Against the Machines, self-titled. Uh, that you just absolutely cannot fuck with those albums. Yeah. I mean, when I read down the list, I was quite taken aback by how many of... Like, this is almost like a, you would find quite a lot of the ones that you read there in the top metal albums of all time. Yeah. All, all coming out in this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think this is the, as, as far as the podcast goes, this is the best year of, of releases. Yeah, like I said, you had... You had- you know, glam metal was collapsing, grunge was becoming popular, Pantera said we're going to maintain with being leaders in the scene, Rage Against the Machine, which, you know, obviously there's a hip-hop influence there with the cadence, so you had, you just had so many things happening Yeah. in that time period. And then I guess to finish up the, the events that year, I guess James Hetfield uh, suffered his bur- the burns from the pyrotechnics during a show. Second, mm-hmm. third degree burns. Mm-hmm. Lombardo uh, replaced as a drummer for Slayer with Paul Bostaff. Yep. Again, going back to black metal. Varg Vikernes of um, his uh, of the black metal scene in Norway. He burned uh, Church burning, along with all the others throughout Scandinavia, a lot of church burning and, and drama with the black metal scene. Yeah, because Burzum actually put out... Burzum. Burzum. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to... I, I was going to put you on the spot, but I think I kind of know the answer. Because not only is this a great year in terms of just... Go for it. <laughs> not only is this a great year in terms of just great albums... But they're also hugely important, pivotal albums. So I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what is the most important album that came out this year? Bulger Display of Power. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know where to begin. Vulgar uh, Display of Power because, going back to my point, my, this is just my opinion, based on what was happening with... Metallica had done their Black Album, Love It or Hate It, uh, Glam Metal coming to, to a close, and um, grunge. grunge taking the forefront. Pantera really cleared the air and said, we're, we're going to take the reins. We're going to take, we're going to carry the torch. And they, I think they defined groove metal, or at least... They just made the best groove metal, the heaviest groove metal album that just was so punishing. 
absolutely every song on that album is a masterpiece. Any metalhead that, I don't think there's a single metalhead that doesn't appreciate and adore and love that album. Yeah. Because it's really their pinnacle. I mean, we know their histories. They started in Glam. Uh, and Cowboys from Hell was, was, was definitely fantastic. But Vulgar Display was, was the prime. And then the other thing I would say that has a lasting effect for the, from that album is how it influenced every other metal band after that. How it influenced every other hardcore band, mm-hmm. punk band. I mean, just Phil himself as a frontman. Shirt off, tattooed, rocking the ball head, and just being a total badass frontman. Mm-hmm. You can you can see that to this day in pretty much any any kind of metal band. Yeah, of every every genre. I couldn't agree more. Like, there's some fantastic albums in there. Dirt by Alice in Chains was like a game changer. Um, the other one that probably comes close to Vulgar Display is what you said, the uh, self-titled Rage Against the Machine album. But Rage Against the Machine definitely influenced a lot of bands. Oh, that's but, a close second. But they, they're, they're such... I mean, uh, Angel Dust by Faith No More is one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. But n- As far as influence, I'm just it, answering your question. Too. As far as influence, absolutely... There is no doubt in my mind it's vulgar display. Oh, without a doubt. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Pantera, probably the metal band of the 90s, and they became, you know, they were like... Dimebag was like the, the Hendrix of heavy metal. Yeah. And the, 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 the things he did with his guitar, again, not just Phil as a frontman influencing everything after them, but the guitar work from Dimebag. Yeah. I think they took over the mantle of being the the metal band that every other band wanted to be. Yeah. You know, from a, at, at least in kind of, you know, d- discarding the the more extreme portions of metal. Yeah. You know, it, it was no longer the kind of Metallica's and Iron Maiden's yeah. as much. It was everybody wanted to be Pantera. Yeah, so. it pushed it to the next, a whole a new level. <laughs> well said. So... Before we get into the album and get in with our thoughts, um, have you got the the cover up yeah. there on your laptop so we can take a little look? Yeah. So, as I mentioned, um, the sort of conceptual story behind the album, based on the uh, the Holy War, the the Fourth Crusade, and the, the cover work is obviously the the artwork, the painting by Eugene Delacroix. Um, the entry of the Crusaders in Constantinople. So, I'm gonna kick it over to you first for um, for your thoughts on on the on the choice on um, and then more the aesthetic, like how how it comes together for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky one because they've they've used someone else's artwork. They've used a, a pre-existing painting. Um, but as far as my thoughts go, it's it's a beautiful painting in the Renaissance style. Um, you can see the city's burning in the background. They've arrived and the locals are bowing down at their mercy. So as far as the actual uh, painting goes, it's it's profound in, in in its own regard for for, for what it's what it's speaking to. 
um, the sacking of, of of Constantinople. But so for me, it's I'm on the fence about giving it too much praise because it's it's, it's pre existing. Yeah. Uh, it it definitely fits with the album theme, um, and it's you know it's part of their their theme in general as a band. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll, I'll speak to the part that's always been a little bit uh, tricky for me is the logo. Yeah. Because for me, it's again, it's always been. It almost looks like a. Um, it's very gamey. It it looks. The only word I can think of right now is bedazzled. <laughs> All I can think about is bedazzled. That trend of bedazzled de- jeans back in the day, where everyone had like, what was it? Bedazzled jeans with like gems and like yeah. embroidered shit. You know, they're acid washed. Did you have and, a pet? No. <laughs> but then the logo looks like it came. The logo looks like it's plucked right off of a comic book or a, or the like a, a a Nintendo game pack. Yeah, it's, um, it's very it's very Warhammer. It's very of that yeah, kind of style. Right, and I'm sure they got someone of that ilk to 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 create this for them. So I'd say it's average at best. I wouldn't I wouldn't really brag about it. I guess I would, if anything, I would give their other albums a little more credit because they are original works of art yeah. commissioned. Despite the theme, they were orig- more original works of art they were commissioned. So, you know, I mean, if anything, it's again, it fits with the album because they're, they're clearly fans of the history of war. And this is a, a, a profound piece in that regard. So it fits. Yeah. I think that's a really... Um... It, that's pretty much in line with with what my thoughts are. There's only so much praise you can give an album cover when it's a pre-existing piece of art, and it is. I mean, this this sounds harsh, but it is devalued by sticking that logo yeah. on the top. I, something occurred to me while you were talking that through is this would have been a much better cover to me if they just hadn't even bothered putting any (laughs) any logo or any title on it it was just that piece of work and then you saw on the spine bolt thrower you saw on the back and the rest of the art bolt thrower but you know the two the the two i mean the logo itself is um you know it's not for me personally um but it just it it contrasts so much with this like renaissance style very detailed um you know you would see this in an in a museum and then you put a metal band logo <laughs> over the top yeah um, but i mean it's like you know like we, we always when we do this we always kind of give a little bit more credence to um to something that has some kind of conceptual value behind it and in this case it's conceptual in the sense that they just they kind of based the album upon this part of history. Yeah, and, and and to be honest, you other bands have done this where they've taken an existing painting or piece. I mean, Christ, I'm thinking of uh, speaking of Christ, the uh, the Cryptopsy album with 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 Jesus's head on a platter, like done in a Renaissance style painting. Like if if it's something I've never seen or heard of. And it's shocking, and it's disturbing, or it's dark, or fits with the metal genre, which this does, but it's not 
it's not moving the meter for me. It's not really, I mean, again, it's a profound, fantastic, busy work of art. And it's a masterpiece in its own right, but it's not, Yeah. it's just not, uh, yeah, like you said, you could you could go see this at a museum. Well, Hecate Enthroned, when we did that album, that was like a pre-existing piece of yeah. art that worked. And, and I, f- I feel like that just had the right amount of, I think we said at the time it was like 1970s, movie horror kind of right. aesthetic that there it was had like, enough of we don't give a fuck there was a charm to let's it let's just yeah let's just put this let's just slap this on a cover yeah yeah I mean put it this way I think if they had either removed the logo and just had that as like just a yeah just that one piece I would say it's actually quite brilliant, really. But uh, I just think it kind of is like, oh, let's take this painting, let's stick the logo on. Like, yeah, they cheapened it. I've got the it. The painting down. itself is profound. You can just ex- take your time exploring the cover, and yeah, they suck the town. It's burning in the background, and yeah, there's just so much detail. I mean, I don't know about you, mate, but I've got this down as a as a six. And yeah, it, I was going to say five it, or six. I, yeah, it's it's kind of devalued a little bit by mm. how it's been treated. It is what it is. It's a it's an art style that I've never been particularly fond of, but because of its connection to the concept, yeah, like it has a certain amount of relevance. So five, six, yeah, five, six. Sense. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, um, and. It seems like we're both fairly new to this album, so yeah. I'm gonna kick it over to you first. Top line thoughts. Did you enjoy it? Did you listen to it again? Yeah, I did. I listened to it uh, this week, and then I listened to it uh, today two or three times as well. And it's for me, it's 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 good, but I I I. I didn't think it was great. And for me, and this is just, I couldn't help but think about Entombed the entire time. That that, that buzzsaw sound that, that Swedish death metalers, I think they, they created that sound. Entombed, Wolverine Blues, th- that album hit me like a tidal wave in high school. And to this day, I can go back and revisit that. And it's just such a distinct powerful sound it's immediately all i could hear in this album um so for me it 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 was good but it also felt kind of flat and i felt like i felt like the album took a little bit of time to warm up oh really yeah so i've got the total opposite opinion to yeah that, this is but... going to be divisive it's it was it was a for, for me I didn't have an aha moment until until I got to uh, this time it's war. Oh. And I felt like the first four or five songs kind of sounded very similar to me, um, especially around the guitar work. I don't disagree with that. The guitar work felt like a one-trick pony, but it was a very good trick. Mm. You know what I mean? Well said. 
Yeah, I, I've I've got something similar. A lot of chugging buzzsaws, and then some 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 riff and melodies that just like you just like I felt like this guy wrote the wrote the album in one sitting. Like just as long just one guitarist just sawing away with the buzzsaw bit, and then just riffs that just like you said it it's it's an album for guitar players for sure. Oh yeah, but um, I mean. One one trick, but a really good trick, I yeah. think, is is a, is quite an apt dis- description of the guitar style because they definitely have a formula. So they have this kind of. I I would say that um, I picked up on some real sort of Slayerish kind yeah. of eerie. Yeah. I mean, the the first track. The fourth crusade the it's a total setup yeah they're setting they, it, they're setting it up but they have this formula where they have these kind of they're almost like they're not riffs but they're kind of like lead line lifts yeah and then they would they'll play that and then they'll they'll move into more of a a chugging yes heavier version of that <laughs> riff that like takes the same kind of notes but plays them lower down the fretboard yeah um but you know saying that and there's definitely a formula throughout this album saying that i think it's a formula that works really well yeah <laughs> like they're very good at it and then if you follow like their, their their albums that come from this like they definitely don't walk away from that and maybe they just refine it a little bit and it gets a little tighter and a little bit less repetitive which i think is 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 another is another thing that you pointed out there and i think the album does suffer a little bit of repetition and and a few songs sounding very savvy and especially with that style of guitar riff because it feels like you know that that the, there are a number of riffs throughout the album that you feel like are interchangeable between songs yeah i feel like that for the first the first few songs just like you said those 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 slayer-esque riffs that just so that dissonance, that awkward, eerie yeah, sound, yeah. dissonance, yeah, and 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 like you said, you could have switched that same riff between the first four or five songs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then I guess, I mean, I've already kind of said it. For me, it's 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 not bad. It's 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 really it's really good for 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 the the one trick that they have. But for me. Uh, and this is just again because of my age. It's it sounds a lot like something I've already heard before. Right. Not m- mostly being entombed, because the first few entombed albums are just fantastic because they they set the tone for this particular sound. And then I think the other thing that kind of threw me off. It's a little bit on the on the negative side. Is I, I've got this on Spotify. The the Fourth Crusade. It says full dynamic range edition. I listened to this on my Mac. I listened to this on headphones. I thought it was. I did not hear dynamic range. What did you? No. I'm like. I'm like. Can I get a splash cymbal? Some some double bass? Maybe guitar? And I was like. I was like. Maybe I can pick up some lyrics without looking them up online. Nope. I just. I mean, obviously, once once you get the lyrics in front of you, you can pick up on someone's vocal style. Even though they're growling, but um, 
the the recording itself, the production on it was. I mean, some again, you know how I am. Sometimes I like that grit, and that lowbrow, uh, lo-fi, whatever. Just, but it just it felt like. Again, I'm thrown off because it says full dynamic range edition, and we use that term all the time for for art music. We love range, dynamic range. Show me, show me, let me hear your range. And I didn't hear any range. No, there isn't. The, I'd, I'd like a, I'd like an explanation of what that means because it wasn't. It's not evident in. It's not evident in the sound, which I assume is what they what they're talking about. There must be like production range, but to me, like I would describe this album as being like just like it's a wall of sound, like it's. It's kind of oppressive heaviness when you listen to it. It's like everything yeah. is together. Like the bass, the guitars, they're all kind of locked into one. Um, and like, yeah, I, I, I happen to really like the sound. I like the guitar tone. I think it's, and you know, what, one thing that might, you know, be this might be the, the difference between me and you with this album is that you're probably from your well definitely more familiar with more bands within this kind of genre than i am so to me yeah. it sounds more unique than it probably does to you and um, yeah i thought about that but i i mean I'm, oh i can't wait to turn you on to some other albums now if well, this if this is your gateway dude now i'm now i'm a bit scared actually you should so. be it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> That's part of the fun. It's like a roller coaster ride, oh, right? No, without movies, with, music, art. No, I love it. Yeah, there's. It's it's a unique sound, but especially when I put this on with headphones, I will turn up my my noise canceling. If it's an album that I'm really into, and I'm going and I'm and I'm seeking out that dynamic range, I want to hear a splash cymbal, a ride cymbal, you know something guttural in the voice like a mistake anything anything that gives it something dynamic some dy dynam dynamic range uh i'll turn my headphones on all the way like to to 11 spinal tap i'll go all the way <laughs> i had this on my headphones today all the way and it was too it was just too too much white noise too much trouble and I think a good wall of sound for me, I'm gonna feel it in my in my gut, in my diaphragm, and I'm gonna hear the highs, the mids, and the lows. That's what makes a wall. It's gonna knock you over. And I felt yeah. I just felt like I know they were going for that, but the way this the production on the way this was recorded, it felt too high on the treble for me. Interesting. I don't know. It I mean it is definitely I think dynamic range is definitely the wrong the wrong term for it. Yeah, we gotta find out what that meant. They should have just called it like oppressive yeah. heaviness edition. Um I I mentioned this before because I I think my where where me and you differ is that I think this comes out of the gate with four bangers straight away. Um The Fourth Crusade, that track That's because you're a guitar player. Uh, no, no, no. Probably very, yeah. probably very true because one of my one of my notes is, you know, my favorite part of this album is the riffs, is the guitar playing. Yeah, I think at least every track has one riff that 
I'm gonna start nodding along to, I'm gonna start banging my head to. And I think the the Fourth Crusade sets the scene for that with that just totally epic intro riff. Yeah. Um and I think they've got shitloads of that going through the album. Like Weirdly, for it might sound weirdly, it might sound weird to describe a death metal album this way, but I think it's quite catchy. Like, oh yeah. There's yeah. like, um, there's just riffs that get stuck in your head for days, and I think, to be honest, first four tracks come out of the gates. Fourth Crusade, Icon, Embers, Where Next to Conquer. I, I feel like We're Next to Conquer. I think they come out and like that's just like a opening salvo for tracks that I really enjoy. And I actually felt like the album slows a little bit from five through seven. Interesting. Um, but do you know what? I think we both have a similar opinion on this album in a sense that we both see repetition through a lot of it. And I'm not. I wouldn't disagree with you that the first four tracks. The Fourth Crusade, I think, is almost probably the most unique and original track on this album. It kind of stands alone, but Hmm. then you go on to the rest, and I do feel like there are so many elements where it's... You do have to keep on going back to the the tracks and going, which which one am I on now, you know? Yeah, yeah. There is, like... I caught myself doing that. A lot of that going on, but I love the riffs. I I love the sound of it. Like there's um like I said it's it's a total guitar player's album, mm-hmm. um so I'm all over that. Um, I mean there must have been there must be some um things that you do like about the album, surely. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think I think I think I think when I got to War Next to Conquer is where I had a little bit of an aha moment, and then this time it's War. I mean, just the track title alone. Um. And, and and then the, I'll go ahead and get into what really uh, helped me like things more were the uh, the lyrical content, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, it's as a lover of history myself. There's all, all all kinds of social commentary, you know. This time it's war. We're enslaved by machinery. Tech tech could be the end for mankind. Um, Another common theme in punk, hardcore, metal is dying from our own arrogance. Uh, it's it's woven throughout this whole album. Yeah. Um, whether it's just man himself, the nature of man and war, technology. Um, I knew I knew that one would resonate with you because I was I was going through the lyrics this morning when I was listening to it, and the last line in this time it's is this time it's war uh-huh. is. Um, a ruined world of lost identity, technological supremacy, <laughs> and I, I wanted to mention this as well. Like you, you, you talked about this quickly. Um, the, the, like the vocals and the lyrics together, right? Uh-huh. The, um, the vocal performance, I wouldn't say is standout. Like, like it, it goes, it goes well with the music. It's methodical. And powerful. There's no range in it. There's no range in it. But it's it's standard. Like, it's very kind of, standard. But it's kind of careful, and it like yeah. it, it doesn't not go. But it is it is quite hard to when you're just listening to it, like 
put your headphones on, listen to it, and don't look at the lyrics. It's hard to um, connect with it. Cause yeah, it's, the cadence. Because you can't work out what he's saying yeah. some of the times. But when you, when you read the lyrics and you're following along, I think it's quite thoughtful and it's, it's actually quite well written. Yes. As well. It, it's, he wins points for his writing. All of the themes are the themes you would expect to see or hear in a metal album. But they're not... Written. They're not overly cliched. No, There's, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, like, I mean, we, where... we were talking about this time as war. It's war, and I, I thought some of the lyrics within that and the theme quite ahead of its time, to yes. be honest. So, yeah, that part was refreshing. The The winner for me, if we're going to get into the, the songs, was... Um, yeah, get into it. Um, Dying Creed and Celestial Sanctuary. Pro- probably nice. Celestial Sanctuary was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Why so? Uh, I just thought it was the best sounding song of the album. And then when you get into the lyrics, uh, it's like... It's... it's it's abstract. Is it? Is it life after death? Is it? Is it going to heaven at nighttime? You know, it's it's talking about spirits soaring high uh, when the sky turns black. But then when you get to the end of the song, it talks about as the dawn gets closer to my body, I shall return. So I just like the uh, idea of escapism in there, whether that's just dreaming at night or whether that's life after death um but uh it's it's open to interpretation but that song i think had like an eerie cool sound to it yeah it also has i've got that down as one of my favorites as well and it's it's it also has one of like the the hookiest moments i think for the lyrics in particular Mm -hmm. because for the vocals in particular because throughout the album i think like the Let's say the vocal performance is functional. You know, it's it's kind of it 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 works really well. Like, I, I think you've you've used this before. Like, sometimes like the best scoop of vanilla ice cream is oh, just yeah. like is yeah. it's just all you need. Like, I don't, don't want to say this <laughs> vocal performance is like mediocre because it's not. It's it's great. I yeah. do think it sounds great, but it's serviceable. It goes like it's. It's in service to the music, yeah. I think. But Celestial Sanctuary has, like, probably the like the standout chorus, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. call it, where he says, um, "Take me far away, deep within the dream." They're clearly seen life's unreality sanctuary, and the way he says it, with the eerie, dissonant sort of guitar part in the background, those two lock in together, and it's. It's one of the standout moments on the album where it, something rises above a little bit of the re- repetition. Yeah. If you like. And it, it, it's, it's a Stand definite out. standout. Yeah. Definitely one of the best tracks on the album, for yeah. sure. And you, you were talking about... You mentioned Dying Creed, which comes directly after that, which, again, on the same page with you, is definitely one of my preferred tracks. Yeah, on the album. What did you like about that one? Uh, that one's probably my favorite for um, lyrical content. Oh yeah, just because it's. It, I immediately thought of uh, 
bad religions, we're going to die from our own arrogance. You know, he's he's more of an intellectual professor and smart with his words, but this this was just a different take on it through death metal, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean... Ignorance, greed, dying creed, devouring beyond our need, <laughs> dude, dude. profit before people. It just, it's like... I'm not sure how this ended up happening, but the, the two songs with probably the best vocal hooks... Mm-hmm happened right at the end of the album and the the hook yeah. on this one mankind the dying creed reared on ignorance and greed on suffering we feed devouring all beyond our needs is like that that's what i mean like the way that's written is it's really quite smart yeah like it's it like the, the simple the catchy cadence, but effective yeah and it, and it doesn't it, need to be that complicated Again, it's the it's the kind of the way it locks in with the the guitars. It's as close to a hook you get from like the the vocals. It's also like again, like a lot of the album, a lot of the songs in this album has great guitar work and great riffs. Like it's 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 like as as catchy. We did another we album. did another album for guitar players. Which which one was that? We got to go back. I yeah, want, I want to say Silosis. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It is kind of reminding me a little bit of Silosis because one of my slight one of my slight criticisms would be that the album's quite long. Yeah, um, and I I think that rather like Silosis, in my opinion, um, and it was remind me of the title of that one, the Edge of um, Edge of the Earth. The Edge of the Earth. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on that on that album, I felt like it started strong, ended 15 strong. Fifteen songs. <laughs> yeah, started strong, ended strong, and had a period in the middle where you could probably lose a couple. I remember that in the middle. Yep. Um, and like my like, I'll just I'll just reveal it now. My favorite, my standout track is the Fourth Crusade because. It was the first, first ball thrower song I heard. That was the riff. on that YouTube video. On that YouTube video, yep. that riff, it's it's worth this album alone for that one riff. I think it's epic. Like I love a good bit of epic. Yeah. Riffing and that 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 lead line gets in your head for days, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that the um, it just it starts. It's the perfect start to the album. Um, super epic, like I said, and it sort of ha- it introduces you to the cadence of the album, where it's this eerie, dissonant, Slayer-esque kind of line gives way into a more traditional death metal riff that picks up on the same notes. Kind of does it. Kind of goes it like they trade it off throughout the song yeah. from that the high part to the low part. Um, introduces you to that slow, methodical, um, but powerful vocal style, and I just like I was gonna I was gonna ask you this because one one thing like when I was listening to this album, one thing I thought that you would love, and maybe you, maybe you didn't love it as much, was like they really tap into that thing that I think Slayer does so well, where they have a riff 
starts to kick off and you think this is going to go to a particular tempo and it goes into half time. It's half the speed you expect it to and it's yeah. just ride cymbal the entire time. And that happens quite a bit and I thought that you would be digging that. I was listening for that for the for, for those elements, but I couldn't I couldn't hear it. Couldn't decipher it. I couldn't decipher it exactly. Because I feel like it's there. It's just the production needed gotta, to be a little tighter on that. I gotta listen to it harder and the, closer. That happens. <laughs> back to the repetition part. That happens so many times throughout the first four songs that it's like this riff comes in. It's just like like it's um, but yeah, Fourth Crusade is is definitely my favorite but celestial sanctuary and dying creed are close behind it and they come right at the end yeah and then there's this you know there's where next to conquer has great riffs um a very sort of standout it's like if, if you consider that they have kind of it's gonna sound mean but they, they have <laughs> they have kind of there is one style of riff that kind of permeates almost all the songs. Yeah. Where Next to Conquer is probably the best version of that riff, yes. and that's where it sits. That's where I. That's where I was like, I was hearing all, all those. Yeah, you nailed it. But that's then, when I. That's when I perked up. I was like, okay, they're doing what they did on the first few songs, but they're doing it very ex- exceptionally well on this song. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are a, a, a few tracks that I think you know. They're kind of interchangeable. That there's a riff in every song for me yeah. that, that I'll I'll bang my head to. Yeah. But there's a few that you know maybe. Well, do we have to talk? We got to talk about the last song, right? Yeah, that's what I was getting to <laughs> next. Like, where do, where do you stand on that? Because these are always quite interesting. Where it's like it's not necessary. It's kind of uh, it's almost like an instrumental in a sense. Um, yeah. Um... I'll be I'll be brutally honest. I didn't I didn't I got about let's just say let's just say I read all the lyrics, but did not finish the song. Because mm-hmm. they're yeah. If if anything, it's 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 really it's just confirming what they're all about. I mean, they're going they're well, they are British, so they're talking about the Roman conquest of Britain, A.D. And then they're taking it all the way up until the Gulf War of 91, which... Was as far as they got at this time. Yeah, I mean, well... The, the time in which they, they made this album and bringing it, bring it up to the, bringing it up to date in that regard, I guess, is um, appropriate. I mean, war has gotten less and less popular as it's gone on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, in a weird way, the, the commentary that they're making... Um, I know that Gulf War wasn't popular. I think it's fair to say that it was probably unnecessary, and and one of the tracks that if you were looking in general, if it was ne- unnecessary. Yeah, if you were looking to cut down, I think the content of the album is enough that you don't need to then kind of list out all the great wars at the end just to kind of reaffirm everything that you I just get it you, you're into war yeah because they're not they're not really making any commentary they're just just, it's listening just a list it out. just listening out yeah I mean the only commentary they really make is at the, right end. At the end right um when remind me what they say because I just closed the the lyrics but it's what well, mankind's destructive nature throughout the ages yeah it's like yeah exactly I mean, I mean we, yeah. we, we we like you said we kind of get it but um 
All right, well, um, let's let's wrap up the, the thoughts on the album. Any last thoughts and, and what, what your uh, mark out of 10 would be? Um, yeah, I I didn't hate the album, but it, it didn't move the meter for me, again, because I just I got to go back to my original statement. It just, for me personally, it sounded like something I've heard before. And Entombed is the obvious answer, but it also, it probably sounds like a lot of other bands um, on this particular album. That's why, that's why again, again, why I go to, when it comes to Bolt Thrower, um, it was another album or two. The um, For Victory. For Victory, for sure. Was, I think that's just, for me, it's later in their career, right? They got more... A couple of years after this one, 94. Yeah. Um, they just seemed a little more refined, tuned up. The production was better. And I feel like they were coming more into their own. Yeah. Again, that's why this album for me just... It's not bad, but it just... It didn't move the meter for me. I'm also not a guitar player. Um, I'm also a bit older with history and, and death metal. And... There's so many other bands during that time and era, both before and after them, that um, do have moved me and are just powerful, powerful death metal albums. So for me, uh, I give this a six and a half or a seven. Okay. I may ask better than... I mean, the way you set that up, it was... I thought it was like when I landed about... <laughs> no, because it's, but... it's, it's... It's good. It's standard, good yeah. death metal. And if anything, again, going back to why we do this, it's it's good that you've been exposed to it because it only gets better from here. <laughs> yeah, no, I no think... disrespect to Bolt Thrower, but no. uh, there's there's a, a handful of other death metal albums that I think shine brighter than this one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. I, I've got it as an eight out of ten. Um, if anything, I'm looking forward to hearing how it influences your guitar playing. Well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> As it uh, should, right? No, for sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say that I play guitar like um, more often than I do, to be honest. But it, I'd tell you what it's certainly going to influence. It's going to influence the type of bands. It's always great when you find a band that opens the door to a bunch of other yeah. bands that you maybe weren't interested in before. Yeah. Because we can always find ourselves at like, where you're just like, I'm looking for some, some yeah. new shit, you know? To move the meter. So I think that's it, almost why my rating stands as high as it does because yeah. like, it it's not an exaggeration to say that I've pretty much been obsessed with this band since I found this album and I've consumed all of their, their albums pretty good to find that they're no longer going um and this is not your favorite album you've confirmed that already it's not and i'd I'd maybe uh, i find it quite hard because i'm still quite it's it's uh i'm I'm still quite new to the band so you know it probably changed like yeah month on month but for victory was the one that came really close to being the one i wanted to talk about but we don't generally just pick our favorite albums we pick ones that are significant i guess for want of a better description but and do I, they have a loyal following did you did you get how far deep did you go 
I'm not quite sure about that, to be honest. I think they're, a, they're, they're like a couple of bands that we've reviewed where, you know, the information on the net is maybe suggestive of more. They're a little bit more cultish. But yeah, I, I've never seen a bolt thrower shirt at a metal bar. From Korea to Germany to Kansas to the UK, I've never seen a bolt thrower patch on the back of someone's jacket. No. I've never heard anybody speak up and say, hey, bolt throwers in town, let's go to their concert. I just, they've always just been uh, in the background. And so, like you, when I, when, when I did discover or decide to... Uh, decided to, to to go down the rabbit hole with bolt thrower that that was the album that stuck out for me yeah well if it's any indication of their relevancy or their set their their sort of big fan base on their spotify page their most popular track has three million three hundred eighty nine thousand six hundred sixty four listens that sounds like a big number but if you click um deicide as their um as one of the sort of fans also like their top their top track has close to six million obituary has almost seven and a half million Mm-hmm. And you know, if you start to click on the biggest cannibal metal corpse, bands, you're yeah, gonna, you're gonna find. So I think it's it's clear that they're not, they weren't huge, right? But they're you know of of sizable following, um, and uh, yeah, that's why my my sort of relationship with the band is fairly new, but I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know their catalog, and this album was the one that opened the door for me. I think it's. Very enjoyable, loads of riffs, like I said. Um, but you know, to be to be hard on the album, it's fifty three minutes. Is you know, I I think the optimum is somewhere between you know forty forty five minutes. Yeah. Like that's a that's a good yeah. time, I think. And 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 you would say you can get away with a longer album if every song has like merit to be there. But there are a few tracks that you think they're they're not doing anything different than other tracks and they could probably be um there's definitely repetition of formula throughout so it maybe takes a a little bit of an edge off but um i think it's i think it's a good lesson so yeah it's an eight out of ten for me nice right so um what came next for the band was for victory which we talked about in 1994 um but i went to look at some of their set lists um and obviously they they uh um they became defunct they uh split up in 2016 so uh we're going back to their last set list which i could find just to see you know what impact the album had on their um their their touring and the last one i could find was from june 21st 2015 at the rickshaw theater in vancouver canada Oh wow! Ten ten song, uh, sorry, thirteen song, including uh, encores. Um, they played uh, two from um, from the album. They played the Fourth Crusade, that was the opener, mm-hmm. and they also played This Time It's War, um, which was I think one of the ones that yeah um, uh, perked you up when you were listening to it. Um, songs played total. Their number one track is the fourth crusade wow okay 
But again, huge caveat um, that, uh, as always, that this is just from one source. I think it's a good it's a good website, Setlist FM, but it's obviously by no means, um, you know, I don't, I don't I don't imagine that this this website is as um, as detailed or as has as much um, yeah. information as, as you could try and get. But from what they do have, the Fourth Crusade is their top play track from their records with 88 plays which is why i presume that it's not quite as um as detailed but looking at the top 20 you've got the fourth crusade in first we have just going down this time it's war tied for 15th with 32 plays and i think that oh and where where next to conquer is 18th with 31 so three tracks in the top 20 nice not not bad going and um, albums total for Victory is actually their number one. Yeah. With 316 plays. And Fourth Crusade comes in at fifth with 193 times. Songs have been played from that album. So not bad. Kind of middle of the road-ish for a, for a band that has eight studio albums and, yeah. and a number of other releases. I mean, that alone warrants some attention. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, um, thanks again for joining me, mate. Always oh, a good. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you guys are liking what you're hearing, please remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can find us on all the usual platforms: Twitter, uh, Instagram. You can email the show at metalrecallpodcast at gmail dot com uh, for any comments, etc. And get ready for the next one, because it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Shit. What's that? It's a surprise. Okay. No, <laughs> no spoilers. Black metal. Until Gateway next. drug to black metal. Yeah, I'm definitely scared now. Oh, you should be. <laughs> All right, mate. Until next time. All right. Cheers. Cheers.